0: It means that you make an effort to become part of America, that you learn the language, that you learn the history of America, and that you learn the way Americans do business. And you have to become part of America. And
1: that is very difficult for some people to do, especially, I think, for Mexicans.
2: America has always been a compassionate nation that values the newcomer and takes great pride in our immigrant heritage. They were also a nation built on the rule of law. And those who entered the country illegally violate the law.
0: Do you know how the caravan started? I think the Democrats
3: had something to do with it. And now they're saying, I think we made a big mistake. That is an assault on our country. That's an assault. And in that caravan, you have some very bad people. You have some very bad people. And we can't let that happen to our country.
1: I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States is often referred to as a melting pot of culture, it's a nation built by immigrants. My land is your land, but not for all. This is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible, dealing with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. Hi, everyone. This is Carmen. I'm Christina. And today we are talking about a very important moment in immigration history in the United States. Latino, Latina history in the United States. And something that I feel is not talked about enough. I agree. We're going to be talking about the historic protest that took place in 2006, uh, basically from spring, all of spring, actually. And the biggest demonstration, which was known as La Gran Marcha. And this episode is going to be a little different. Uh, We're going to be more serious. Okay, starting now, after this little intro here. <laughs> and we have some audio from our mom. We're going to be, well, okay, so I think because I'm adding her audio after, then I will probably translate what she's saying into okay. English after. Yeah. Because I know that not everyone speaks Spanish because, you know, she's speaking Spanish. Um, and we also have audio from people that participated in these protests. That's going to be playing throughout. It's, it's, this is a little more serious. It's a little more work. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. Of course, you know, I deal with things with humor. So if I interject at any point and make some tasteless comment, I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you could have left out tasteless. I know. I don't really say tasteless things. I don't think so. You're right. No, neither one of us do. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I don't know. Maybe. Depends. Yeah. Yeah. So the United States is often referred to as a melting pot of culture. It's a nation built by immigrants. My land, my casa, mi casa es tu casa. But <laughs> I'm already not being serious. See, all right, we can't do this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is who we are. Just yeah. embrace it. You're right. My land is your land, but not for all. That is only reserved for a certain type of immigrant. Laws to exclude specific certain groups from immigration and United States citizenship have been Go back to the inception of the United States. It's weaved into the Constitution. Yeah. Who gets to, who counts as a person, right? Inalienable rights? Not for everyone. They were really only, only for white men. Yeah. <laughs> who owned uh, property. Not- <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, these types of laws can be found as early as 1803. During the Haitian Revolution, Congress banned immigration And they banned the importation of any Negro, mulatto, or other person of color. And this was because they wanted to contain, limit free blacks. That's how it's written in there. I'm not calling black people blacks. That's not how, (laughs) that's not what I do. Before you go on, I think I'm going to be talking about the law later on. And a lot of, I tried as best as I could to change like some of the language. Like we know that undocumented people legally are referred to as aliens and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And there might be one or two, you know, of those words that are slipped in there because. And I think it's understandable if you're reading the law. Yeah. Word for word. I still changed some of it. I tried. Because it feels wrong, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. People are not aliens. What the fuck? Aliens are aliens. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And they're real. Um, (laughs) Just can't go on. (laughs) So they feared that the. Re- revolution that happened in, in uh, Haiti oh, was going to happen in the United yes. States. Yes. So they, they were like no more black people. So um, this included like they were not obtaining enslaved people from Haiti because of the revolution yeah. there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The importation of any Negro, mulatto mm-hmm. or person of color, other person of color. In the 1854 People versus Hall California Supreme Court case, uh, this case cemented that non-whites were not citizens. It ruled that the testimony of a Chinese man who witnessed a murder by a white man was inadmissible because he was Chinese. So now they've added Chinese people or um, Asian people into the people that don't count as people. Yeah. Mm The 1875 Page Law Prohibited the recruitment to United States of unfree laborers and women for "quote unquote" immoral purposes, but this was enforced primarily against Chinese women who were seen at the time as like promiscuous, and they were the sex workers of um you know of this time, and so this was specifically made to exclude them from immigration. Um, and more laws to exclude Chinese immigration would follow, such as the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. The Immigration Act of 1917 banned immigration from Middle East, from the Middle East to Southeast Asia. And it also created a literacy test. I would have failed it. A literacy test to restrict immigration from Europe. So they're just, you know, slowly adding more and more people who cannot come to this country, right? More regulations that are meant to restrict. unwanted, Yeah, unwanteds. In 1929, Section 1325 of... Uh, Of the Immigration Act, it was called the Immigration Act of 1929 and Section 1325 of that act criminalized undocumented immigration for the first time. Uh, So undocumented immigration was not a big deal before this. And this was the purpose of this was to decrease Mexican immigration specifically. And before this, the border was not criminalized. It was also in this time period that Border Patrol was created. It was in this time period that Mexicans crossing the border were subjected to chemical showers. All of this fueled by xenophobia and eugenics. As long as there are immigrants, there are people pushing for restrictions on immigrants. And all of this, of course, fueled by xenophobic, eugenic, racist beliefs because these are only applied to certain groups of people. It wasn't until the presidency of George Bush that immigrants were starting to be persecuted by Section 1325 of the Immigration Act of 1929. I didn't know that. Even though this law was created in 1929, it wasn't until George Bush that people began being deported because they entered illegally. Because humans are not illegal. I say illegal in quotations. This presidency, it was like the, it really spawned anti-immigrant uh, sentiments. It was just, like, really growing in this in these years, in the 2000s. Yeah. Anti-immigrant sentiment was in full force. This is where we saw a bunch of Minutemen. Like, I haven't seen anything about the Minutemen these days. They're still around. Um, okay. I want to say the last thing I heard of them was, like, a few years ago. So I don't know about now. But, yeah, as of a few years ago, I was still hearing about them um, terrorizing. Yeah. I remember being in middle school and every day on the news, like, oh, the Minutemen, blah, 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 the Minutemen this, the Minutemen that, like. Yeah, I mean, it was a scary time because you, you, you know, there was like reports of ICE showing up at the flea market, at people's workplaces, um, everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a little clip of our mom explaining how hard it was. It, being, a diffi- being an immigrant in this country is difficult already, but I'm going to put a clip of her talking about this specifically as well yeah because being like a, a member of like the non-dominant group is h- hard in general but you add on top of that you know being in a new country you don't know the language being undocumented <laughs> you know yeah mm-hmm. it's like that's a song by los yeah tigres del norte you're in a golden cage, una jala de oro, because Mm -hmm. you're in a country, you're making more money, but you can't enjoy it. You are still missing a part of you. You're always afraid, looking back, you know, behind your shoulders, because especially in these years. It's not a feeling of being persecuted. It's real persecution.
0: Me sentía frustrada como todo inmigrante, me imagino, por querer tener mejores a mejor vida para nuestros hijos y para nosotros mismos y no se podía porque no nos daban lo que necesitábamos para poder salir adelante si sí, yo me salvé dos veces que me agarrara la migra pero aquí estoy <risa> una vez que fui, te no sé si recuerdas que me gustaba ir a la, a la pulga los lunes y fui a esa pulga y cuando llegué yo vi todo raro Vi otras personas llorando, personas que vendían en aquel tiempo los CDs que se usaban, les quitaron su, su mercancía y todo. Pero yo llegué y dije, bueno, no sé qué es para a lo mejor robar o no, algo. Yo anduve caminando bien, hasta en la tarde me di cuenta que cuando llegué a la casa, una de las dos me mandó mensaje, para eso ya, ya traían celular me mandó mensaje y me dijo la la mamá de de una amiga, no me acuerdo quién eh, me dijo que a la pulga donde va los lunes, llegó migración, pero yo ya había llegado a la casa, y otra fue en en Oakland, cuando ustedes estaban estaban chiquitos eh, allá afuera de la Walgreens, en la esquina de Fruitvale y la Fruitvale está así y la otra así, no me acuerdo pero ahí estaba la, la Walgreens Y también yo llegué y e iba entrando y dijeron que, que no entraran porque estaban adentro, estaban agarrando gente. Y me regresé y a mí se me hizo raro porque no vi, allá afuera se juntaban los jornaleros, les dicen jornaleros a los hombres que buscan trabajo. Y no había ninguno y a mí se me hizo raro, pero dije, no sé qué. entonces habían llegado a llevárselos a todos ellos y habían entrado a la tienda a ver a quién se llevaban. Porque era cuando hacían todo eso. Y yo me regresé, pero porque oí que, que algo estaba pasando y dije, no, vaya a ser que aquí sí me agarren. Y me regresé y ya en las noticias fue donde vi que sí habían estado ahí. Dos veces me salve. Okay. Llegaban a las fábricas, llegaban a, a los campos, llegaban a, a las a las pulgas, a los andequera llegaban y se llevaban a toda a la gente que no tenía y muchas veces se llevaron gente con papeles nomás porque su apariencia era latina.
1: And yeah, these anti immigrant sentiments were in full force and it was during this time that the house introduced hr 4437 the border protection anti-terrorism and illegal immigration control act of 2005 also known as the Sensebrenner brenner bill yeah and so this the hr just means house of representatives and i just feel like i had to say that because i didn't know that honestly <laughs> oh my gosh uh, yeah you're I just, right i just never realized it um and you know you heard so much about this law back then and i was in middle school you know or i mean yeah this started in middle school continued up until it's it's still around these anti-immigration. Oh, sentiments, yeah. of course. But um, it really rose during this time. At least that's what it felt like at the time. Um, yeah. So I didn't know what HR meant, <laughs> which is why I mentioned it now. Like House of Representatives. It's not human resources. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's worse. <laughs> the House of Representatives. And you already said it's also known as the Sensenbrenner Bill. So this was passed by the House of Representatives mid-December on December 15th, 2005. And I really thought it was later on. I didn't know it was in mid-December. Yeah, because all the protests that followed were a little bit after. There were small protests throughout until spring, but it just really, it really became a more organized effort in the spring. Was this, I mean, we're probably gonna maybe talk about it later, but was this because, it was going to go to the Senate and it hadn't gone to the Senate. That is exactly why. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It was passed on December 15th, 2005, with 239 to 182 vote, with 92 percent of Republicans supporting the bill and 82 percent of Democrats opposing. We're going to talk about, you know, the Senate later, but fortunately it did not pass the Senate. The bill had several provisions, and I'm just going to list them because there's no other, <laughs> there's no better way of there's talking no about paraphrasing. Them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay. The bill required up to 700 miles of a double-layered fence along the U.S.-Mexico border at points with the highest number of, quote, illegal border crossings. It required the federal government to take custody of undocumented people detained by local authorities, ending the practice of what was known as catch and release, in which federal officials would instruct local law enforcement to release detained undocumented people because often there was not resources to prosecute them. And then it also had a portion in there for the federal government to reimburse local agencies in the 29 counties along the border for costs related to detaining undocumented people. The bill mandated employers to verify workers' legal status through electronic means to be faced in over several years. And for reports to be sent to Congress one and two years after implementation to ensure that this means of verification, employment verification was being used. And as we know now, this is used. Yeah, now. And I guess it was being piloted in some places back then too, but they wanted to expand this, the bill. The bill required the Department of Homeland Security, and I'll just be saying DHS from now on, the, it required the DHS to report to Congress on the number of and the way I saw it written was some um, other than Mexicans oh, apprehended and deported. And the number of those from states. Oh, this part didn't make sense to me, but I don't know. It said the number of those from states, or I guess the number of those undocumented OTMs. people that were apprehended yeah. that sponsored terrorism. I don't know. I guess if they were labeled as terrorists. And I just thought that was... Um, not funny, but disturbing. The other than Mexicans, <laughs> label. yeah, and I believe that that label is intended for Muslim people. That meant for Central Americans. Oh, oh, okay. I well, thought it meant for because nine eleven, you know, it was is not too far yeah. from this. It could have been, but also, um, I think I have it. Especially because terrorism is in here. Yeah, That's why it is. That. They mention terrorism a lot, but there's also portions about um, gangs, specifically from El Salvador. Okay. So I thought that's what it meant, but it probably means both, honestly. Both, I think so, yeah. So the bill sought to formalize congressional condemnation of rapes by smugglers along the border and to urge Mexico to take immediate action to prevent them. This is also something that we heard recently with Trump, right, about rapists coming from from Mexico. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to put that clip at the top. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I mean, we know they don't care about this. (laughs) You know, like if they truly cared about um, rape victims, like there would be so much more prevention and more protection put in place here against documented people and citizens. Right. But they only care when it's someone other than, you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the bill required all undocumented people facing deportation to pay a three thousand dollar fine. If they agreed to leave the country voluntarily, but then failed to adhere to leaving the country. And it reduced that grace period of voluntary departure to 60 days. So it shortened it. And I want to say it increased also that fine. Like it wasn't that much before or there was no fine. It required DHS to conduct a study on the potential for border fencing on the Canada-US border. So that was shocking to me because I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Like I guess they're trying to make it look like it's not just one side. (laughs) Yeah. It's sought to set the minimum sentence for fraudulent documents at 10 years, fines or both with tougher sentencing in cases of aiding drug trafficking and terrorism. So to increase the sentencing for using fraud documents, uh, fraudulent documents, I mean, it's sought to establish a fraudulent document center within DHS. And so we know that various times or a lot of times people use fake social security cards, fake documents. Yes, but they wouldn't have to do that if they weren't being <laughs> yeah. persecuted. So it's like a, you know, d- don't criminalize people and they won't <laughs> do this thing that you're now calling a crime. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. It's sought to increase penalties for aggravated felonies and various frauds, including marriage fraud and document fraud. It's sought to establish an 18-month deadline for DHS to control the border with a progress report due 1 year after the enactment of legislation. Okay, (laughs) so they wanted to militarize the border, which did end up. Yeah, happening. It required criminal record checks, terrorist watch list clearance and fraudulent document checks for undocumented people before being granted legal status. It sought to reimburse states for aiding in immigration enforcement, sought to make it a felony to house a removed alien and set the minimum prison sentence for three years. So if you, I don't know, if you're, if you are a parent or your uncle, whatever, and they live with you, your brother or sister, yeah, is a, quote, removed alien um and they live with you, then now you're facing criminal charges. It allows the deportation of any undocumented person convicted of a DUI and increased penalties for employing undocumented workers to $7,500 for first-time offenses, $15,000 for second-time offenses, and $40,000 for all subsequent offenses. The bill sought to make it a crime to assist an undocumented person to remain in the U.S., knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that such person is an alien who lacks lawful authority to reside in or remain in the United States. It further sought for the prison term that would be applicable to a, quote, removed alien— to also apply to anyone who knowingly aided or assisted the person to re-enter the United States. So this was the part that people really opposed, and I think what we heard about from the media the most. It sought to eliminate the diversity immigrant visa, also known as the Green Card Lottery Program. It sought to prohibit grants to federal, state, or local government agencies that enacted or maintained a sanctuary city policy. But this part was removed by unanimous decision. So they tried to do this, but they removed this during the passage of it in the House. And this is something that continues to happen now, like with anti-immigration, I don't know, government officials where they want to get rid of sanctuary cities or they all day they complain about sanctuary cities. (laughs) This part was stupid. It required all U.S. Border Patrol uniforms to be made in the United States to avoid forgeries. It's not to make the, to make, quote, illegal U.S. presence. A crime when it's really an administrative you know oh paperwork Christ. offense <laughs> and it sought to list immigration violators in a national crime information center database so th- that's not everything there's more, but you know I mean there was like hell of fucking shit on it um, <laughs> a lot, yeah, yeah. Uh, but those were like the main things that yeah, people post and then I did also add or pull some old articles from the ACLU or letters I guess that the ALC- ACLU wrote to The House and also the Human Rights Watch. And I think everyone knows what the ACLU is, but it's what? The American Civil Liberties. What is the U? Union? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, Okay, so the ACLU wrote a letter urging opposition to the bill. And the letter the ACLU wrote that the bill would erode civil liberties, militarize the border, expand mandatory detention rules to non-citizens arriving at port of entries along the border, erode the basic rights of immigrants to judicial review, that it would criminalize undocumented people, give the government extraordinary powers to detain non-citizens without meaningful review, that expanding the basic pilot employment verification program would threaten Americans' personal privacy while also being prohibitively expensive for employers. And then the Human Rights Watch. Some of this I repeat, so just bear with me. Uh, It's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, also like, it's, it bears repeating because these were major concerns and continue yeah. to be major concerns. So the Human Rights Watch also wrote a letter to the House of Representatives urging them to oppose the bill. In their letter, the Human Rights Watch expressed concerns about the act undermining due process protections, human rights obligations, and principles of fundamental fairness. They noted their main concerns being that the legislation would expand the expedited removal program, which was fucked up to begin with and had already mistakenly and wrongfully removed genuine refugees and U.S. citizens. They were concerned that it would expand the categories and types of crimes that render a non-citizen removable to include low-level offenses, which of course is excessive, criminalize administratively unlawful presence in the United States, impose mandatory detention even when the individual is not a flight risk or a threat to the community, allow for the indefinite detention of non-citizens who cannot be deported, among other concerns. Yeah. And the ACLU wasn't the only one opposing H.R. 4437 across the United States. Um, Obviously, the immigration population was like, (laughs) we are not having this. Like, we're going to protest. And we did. The immigrant community came out in numbers unseen, unseen before this day. and. This because, you know, you see it in social media now where people say awaken the giant or the or wake the giant up. Have you seen that? Okay, this was like this was the moment that the giant awoke, quote unquote, because no one had seen the, you know, back then people use Hispanic more. But the Hispanic community mobilized like this mobilized. It was unseen, unprecedented. Mm hmm. So on March 10th, 2006, the first major protest took place, opposing H.R. 437, took place in Chicago. And this was the first big one, but there had been small ones throughout the year since the bill passed on December 15th. And on this day, March 10th, it was estimated that 100,000 people participated, but the protesting didn't stop there at all. People began organizing local, like local organizations. That's where it started, like grassroots immigrant organizations like um like um what's the one called uh where papi would go and oh yeah yeah yeah. it is cispes cispes was one i know everybody talks about like the mexican ones and i cannot remember the names of them no Mm. wait no it had another name it doesn't matter i remember yeah but if you go if you're like in your town and you go through like people Places that help uh, immigrants with yeah. paperwork and stuff. There were these kind of organizations that really started setting things up at first. Local, like the meccas in school, things like that. Or universities, clubs like that started doing smaller protests. But that day, March 10th, was like the biggest one. And then students, students really started connecting and spreading word about protesting and walking out these This communication and organization largely took place via like text message chains and MySpace. I was going to say MySpace. (laughs) MySpace was a big one. Yes. Kind of like you see Twitter being used now. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was MySpace back then. So on March 24th, 2006, students all over the country walked out of school and it was a Friday. And so you had to walk out early in the day to make a statement. Right. Because after a certain time. Wasn't it before they took attendance? Yeah. So you got to school, you sat down, but the minute they were like about to start, people started getting up and walking out. And this was students of all ages, Mm -hmm. middle schools and high schools. But parents were getting to their school to pull their elementary school kids out like it was huge. In the L.A. Unified School District, hundreds and hundreds of students walked out from five different schools. And these student walkouts continued for several days after. On March 27th, 2006, students inspired by March 25th, yeah. which we're gonna get to. That was like Gran Marcha. That was the biggest one. So, students inspired from that Saturday, March 25th, then went back to school March 27th, Monday, and walked out in even bigger numbers all over the country. Fairfax, Virginia. And there's like a large um, immigrat- immigrant community in Virginia. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. But and it's like largely Central American. Yeah. Yeah. New Jersey, Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, uh, Oakland, California, which is shut (laughs) out because that's where we walked out from. (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, do you want to talk about walking out here? Um, Yeah. And I wanted to ask you if you remember, I know that we walked out on more than one day. Yes, because we must we on the 24th and then the 27th, it had to be Okay, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um. I mean, I don't even remember how, like, the topic of walking out came up for everyone. Like, I know everyone was talking about it. I mean, we had to have seen it because we've been hearing about HR 437 on the news. We've been hearing about the, the grand matcha and that it was going to happen on March 25th. Yeah, if I remember right, I I remember somebody saying, like, oh, my... I don't know. My cousin, cousin? goes to yeah. mm-hmm, such and such high school, and they're um, walking out, and they're going downtown. I don't know whatever government and building it was. <laughs> they're the mayor or something. Yeah. So, so yeah, I remember that's how it started, or how we found out about it. Yeah. And actually, no, it, but it wasn't even at the moment because I remember even before we we went to school that day, we told our parents, "Hey, we're walking out." <laughs> hey, by the way, we're not, and we're gonna go get our brother. <laughs> From his class to get him out. Do you remember what they told us? What our parents told us? I remember them being like supportive about it. Me too. But I mean, I don't know what they said. I think they just said like, you know, do what you think is right. (laughs) Something like (laughs) that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. So we got to school and like, I mean, we we went to school in Oakland, California. It was a small charter school, but it was like 99%. Yeah. Yeah mexican <laughs> yeah i mean it was mostly mexican but uh other obviously other latinos were there too but it was it was 99 percent uh, latina latino um and then like you know then there was a, a few black kids a few asian kids mm-hmm. but then that was it and so everyone felt so close to the cause mm-hmm. it touched everyone's lives and I remember talking to a few people, a few people, a few you know fellow classmates, and like not everyone wa- was going to walk out. It- some people were scared to do it. Yeah, but even or, like we had the we had a sworn enemy in middle school, and we talked with her. Dumb. She she was like, "I'll walk out with you guys." Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That day that unified. Yeah, yeah. There were no enemies. <laughs> that, that day there were no enemies. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I don't even remember how we got out. Do you remember? I just remember probably the first day that we walked out, it was probably like after lunch. um, Because I think like somebody had came back and said, hey, they already walked out at such and such school. And we were in downtown. We were in downtown Oakland. We were already downtown. So we weren't that far. But other schools, like from far, people walked out and they marched all the way downtown. Yeah. And so the protest was probably passing by us. Yeah. You know what? I Maybe that's what happened. But I just know like... It like it was that time, like in the moment Um, at that that time we I don't remember if we were in the same building or not as our brother, but we went to go get him. <laughs> yeah. And then we're I don't I don't even think from his grade because he was younger, like less kids walked out. But somebody else got their younger brothers. It was it was our sworn enemy. Sometimes a bunch of us had younger siblings. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. She walked with us and we got our brothers out together. And we were two years apart. So we were in sixth grade and he was in fourth grade. But there was more people that came with us. Oh, yeah. It yeah. wasn't just her. But I remember because she was with us trying to get her brother out. Yeah. And so, again, everyone, everyone was for the cause. And there was like a, a secretary at the front. And we were like, our mom said our brother's sick and we have to go <laughs> home or something. Like, <laughs> it was such a ridiculous. Oh, I don't and, remember. But she, knew, she knew yeah. what was going on. And she was like, I'll go get him yeah and and all the teachers i didn't they, they didn't try to stop anyone i mean it was like it, it was a charter school which you know has its problems but um yeah i think the teachers in the school itself was very um socially justice minded yeah yeah so that helped um but yeah we we went and got them we walked out we joined uh, we walked with a, a bunch of other students sorry That's, i do remember uh-huh. the only thing that our parents did tell us was to not uh, to not be like a mess on the streets, basically, to not jump on cop cars, to not yell at the cops, things like that, um to leave if we saw things like that was the one thing they said to not be violent, yeah, and that was a big message uh when people were organizing yeah. and putting out messages of for these uh anti four four three seven uh protests Uh sorry before you went on i did want to add like the second day i do strictly remember saying like like talking with everyone else i was going to walk out and saying no we need to leave before attendance and that day we left like right when they were going to call it and then we went to go get our brother (laughs) again (laughs) yeah yeah and yeah i mean like you, you we went and joined the rest of the students our charter school had these dumb uniforms and so we were there with our dumb uniforms no one else had dumb uniforms yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was uh it was an experience i mean you know these all these young people you know calling out and we sat at city hall for i don't know how long <laughs> oh my god yeah. i forgot about that we did sit in there at some point cops did they come. came to get to try to get us out and i i don't remember like it's very vague like same. I do remember some people were jumping on cop cars. Yeah, we did not do that. No. <laughs> uh, and I think the right around then we went and you know got on the bus and went home because yeah, um, things were it getting. was getting violent and we listened to our parents. But you know what? I mean, people were angry and they have a right to be angry. Oh, so I, I it don't, is what it is. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything yeah. about against it. Um, but it was time for us to leave. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the, these even these student protests were largely peaceful. There were some places like do uh, you remember the freeway in San Pedro. There's like one entrance yeah. in San Pedro. Yeah. Um, that freeway blocked. <laughs> Students blocked it. Mm-hmm. I remember that hearing about that. Yes. Other freeways in L.A. blocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we got on the freeway. No, but I I mean, because we, we were already traffic. downtown. There's no, you know. But probably I'm guessing like from other schools that were coming from further, they probably did. They remember hearing about that. People were mad, but hey, people were doing what they needed to do. And, you know, it was largely peaceful, but there was some places where students were met with violence. Yeah. Fairfax High School near the Hollywood District of Los Angeles. The students were met met with police in riot gear. And I can't remember if the police we saw were in riot gear, but they probably were. <laughs> I don't remember, because... but I remember seeing some people be arrested. I don't know if you remember yes, that. Yes, arrests were made. Um, and you know, here too, arrests were made in Riverside, California. Students were also met with police in riot gear. Arrests were also made, and in <laughs> in L. A. Students did sit because, you know, everywhere people were sitting in City Hall and waiting to be heard. And I don't think we ever spoke with anyone. We were demanding answers. I don't know, because I imagine like maybe people that were like more at the front, maybe. Could see more. Yeah, yeah we were but way I in don't the know. Yeah, But I don't remember. But in L.A., Antonio Villaraigosa, the mayor of the time, did speak to the students and They booed him when he called them to... He was like, return to school. And everyone was like, boo. (laughs) I just remember, you know what I remember shouting? Hell no, we won't go. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of hell no, we won't go. A lot of it. Oh my God. And like, uh, I mean, you saw everyone walk out. And like, you know, some people, when you talk to some students that went, they were like, yeah, some people just wanted just to ditch school. But so what? People need numbers. (laughs) People need... We needed numbers. But like the large amount of people that were there, like... Some people were really there in solidarity. Some people yeah. were there because it was like a very, you know, close to home yeah. type of subject. A lot of students themselves were immigrants. Yeah. But like you saw everyone there, everyone, Latino kids, black kids, uh, Asian kids, like yeah. everyone. And because you know what? Everyone can be an immigrant. And at the time, I think everyone associated it with being Mexican. But- yeah. I think now we see more um, narratives about black immigrants, black Latino Or Latinx immigrants, Mm -hmm. Central American immigrants, Indigenous immigrants. But at the time, it was very Mexican centric. Yeah, and yeah, these students these students continued protesting. The biggest ones were that Friday, March twenty fourth, and the Monday Monday the twenty seventh. Um, but the biggest demonstration of this time period was March twenty fifth, two thousand six. This became known as La Gran Marcha, the Great March. And on this day, media outlets at the time reported that 500,000 people marched in L.A. But later, photo analysis revealed that in downtown L.A. alone, like L.A. itself, 1.5 million people were there in that area. Like... I just got chills. <laughs> chills. And I made a t- TikTok about this day, right? And I said, like, it was estimated that it was really one point five million people. Uh some comments were like, that many people don't fit in LA. And it's like, bitch, the pictures are there. That many people did fit. <laughs> that many people did fit. That many people were there. Yeah. And you know, they, they determined this number by comparing the pictures to the marches in was- on March on Washington. Mm-hmm by Martin Luther King, you know, um, in the 1960s, because that was a million people. And they did it side by side. And the pictures are overwhelmingly, if not larger Mm -hmm. on that day. Like, that's just how many people were there. So that's how they determined the real number of people. Mm -hmm. Some other comments were like, oh, this wasn't as big as a women's march. And I'm like, excuse me? Like, don't fucking insult me right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, there were more people. On that day there in L.A. than any Women's March there has been to this day at the time of recording. And yeah, uh, it wasn't. And that was L.A. alone. But across cities across the United States flooded the streets Mm -hmm. to oppose H.R. 4437. There was even a news anchor in Salt Lake City who was like, I didn't even know there were many that many Hispanics in Salt Lake City. Like, where did they come from? He literally (laughs) is saying that on the news. And these protests were organized by a variety of loose coalitions of like workers unions, local nonprofits. And the Catholic Church played a big part, especially in California. The Catholic Church played Mm -hmm. a big role. Um, And Spanish language media also played a huge role in organizing this, too. Uh, Especially like we mainly listened to El Piolín por la mañana. Yeah. um, And he every day was like. Isn't that how we found out about. That is how we heard about it. Yeah. Uh, every day would be like we were going to protest hr four three seven we all need to be there we all need to go and and support um this is for us this is for and i think at the time a lot of people still use la raza yeah i don't use that anymore at the time i yeah. did you know but yeah people were like this is for do it for la raza everyone has to go we all need to be there we and then and there was a big talk that people needed to prove that they were like good yeah. enough to be here right which I, at the time I, I did endorse now I'm like any anyone should have the right to be here yeah I think now that I mean then that was a dominant like narrative for the immigration community and for the children of immigrant like people like oh we have to prove our yeah. worth and we have to prove that we're American so they asked people to bring American flags because there was a lot of criticisms from the student marches because mm-hmm. we all had Mexican flags <laughs> But even on this day, people took Mexican flags mm-hmm. and but they did call for people to bring United States flags. They called for people to wear white and there was buses that were taking people from the Bay Area out to L.A. Someone else had the comment on my TikTok. They were like, there were no buses. And I was like, what the f- why are you lying? Like, I mean, it was it's on- <laughs> kind of ridiculous that there would be no buses when like organizations helped. I don't know, set this holding up, like, so... And also we saw them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... Yeah, and we heard it every yeah. day on the radio. Yeah. And <laughs> many people, us included, you first heard about, you know, the March 25th protest from radio stations. En el radio fue cuando empecé
0: a, a oír que se si iban a, a hacer una marcha grande en Los Ángeles y que si queríamos ser historia, porque así decía el locutor, decía si quieres ser historia en la marcha más grande de inmigrantes para pedir y exigir nuestros derechos, entonces eres bienvenido. Era la estación del Piolín, Eri Piolín Sotelo. Él era el que estaba, él fue el principal y había otro locutor,
1: no recuerdo el otro nombre, el Cucuy, el Cucuy and i already said people were asked to wear white people were make, making posters you know uh buses took people uh from all over california to la for mm-hmm. to increase the people that were there a lot of people drove hours to get there us included we drove hours to get there duro
0: como like 7 horas porque es de Oakland para, para Los Ángeles. Aparte se encontraba tráfico porque mucha gente venía para acá y muchos camiones y de todo. No teníamos un carro bueno, entonces habíamos dicho que a lo mejor había lugar en alguno de los camiones que iban a manejar hasta allá y así nos podíamos ir. Pero después pues ya no había lugar en el, en el, en el camión. Entonces este fue cuando tú le mandaste el email al piolín y nunca respondió, pero <ríe> entonces yo le hablé y le dije a, a tu papá que el piolín no había contestado y entonces no sabíamos qué hacer, pero sí queríamos ir. Ya cuando él, él me dijo déjame ver qué hago y porque dice, siempre dice así <risa> entonces ya después me, me llamó y me dijo en ese tiempo se usaban los teléfonos de casa todavía Este me llamó y me dijo prepárate porque si sí nos vamos a ir bien temprano y cerró por primera vez en, en tantos años cerró el taller por dos días sábado y domingo Y nos fuimos en un carro, no servía bien, yo pensaba que servía bien. <risa> Hasta que veníamos de regreso, yo veía como que el, ja- el carro jalaba y le veía la cara a él como preocupado. <risa> y ya fue cuando me dijo que, que los frenos no servían bien. Y, y el carro no tenía que, el carro tenía que seguir sin meterle el freno, lo menos posible tenía que meterle el freno pero contentos We were not going
1: to go at first, even though we wanted to, because Papi said we didn't have a car to go. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, well... We'll try and get on one of these buses. See, that's how we knew there was buses. (laughs) Yeah, I was calling El Piolín. Are you serious? Uh, Apparently, I don't remember this, but mommy said that I called El Piolín and then I left a message. If we could get on a bus that we really wanted to go, we needed to be there to support our parents. (laughs) Um, I know um, this shit makes us cry. I'm not going to start the waterworks yet. No, not yet. Um, But my eyes are deceiving me (laughs) now. Yeah, and that we really wanted to go, but we didn't have a car, but like we wanted to be there. And that, uh, you know, I was like this old at the time, 13, and like this was important yeah. to all of us, you know? And I left that message and there was no answer. I mean, imagine how many messages they had. <laughs> yeah, imagine how many messages. Like, I didn't even recall this. It yeah. smiled to me. And then um, mommy said that she told our dad. That I left a message asking to get on the bus and that there was no bus. And then uh, this was like late, late at night the day before. I do remember that it was like last minute that we left. And then he was like, we're going... And we drove, and apparently, the car we took uh-huh. didn't have brakes. <laughs> oh my god, what the fuck! I was gonna say, if there's one thing that our dad would do, is scramble shit together at the last minute. Like, yeah, so he fixed, half fixed the car to get oh us there. Oh my god. And he didn't tell mommy until we were back that the car wow. had no brakes. <laughs> so we could go because he saw that it was important.
3: Pero
0: te digo, nosotros fue así de que primero tu mamá dijo que íbamos a ir.
3: Yo
1: but he basically was like, yeah, at first, I was like not really into it. Like I knew it was happening, but I don't get involved in that kind of stuff. But once I saw how important it was to you guys and to your mom, then I was like, we need to go. And that's why we went, <laughs> wow, um, and, yeah. So, you know, the streets were full. It was like a sea of people wearing white. Yeah, I remember. And you know what else I remember is that, you know how we would always stop? Because we drove to LA often to see our cousins. And we'd always stop in um, Kingsburg. The same places. The yeah. Swedish village. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And I'll remember in, at the McDonald's there. And, you know, it was a sea of brown people wearing white. <laughs> and on the way... We could tell everybody who was going there because we would look like next to us, in front of us, behind us. And it was like cars full of um, Latinx people wearing white. (laughs) Yeah. A CF people wearing white marching together, demanding no to H.R. 4-7, demanding for immigration reform, crying out, si se puede. Uh, And each person, every family, they had their own reason to be there, but everyone was there together.
3: Hey everyone, uh, my name is Alejandro Villalpando. I was around in 2006 for La Gran Marcha. Um, I, I'm from South Central Los Angeles. Both my parents migrated in the early 70s to LA in Southern California. My mom is an indigenous woman from Guatemala, um, and my dad is from Mexico. Um, Grew up, you know, both of them working class, working poor. When that, I come from a like a large mixed status family, and in 2006. I just graduated undergrad and, uh, you know, these xenophobic and racist laws started to really take momentum in 2004, 2005 on the tail end of the Patriot Act and the war on terror and everything that emerged uh, through that. So I was a pretty radicalized young man and uh, we decided to take the streets enjoying the massive protest and remembering, you know, that my family came in that way. So uh, we took my nephews, younger nephews, who were becoming politicized during that time because we were all impacted, and we were all going to be felt targeted in our communities. Um, Historically, it was our communities, like those in South Central and Compton and East LA, that would always be targeted by any policing uh, or any kind of advancement of policing at any level, whether that be local or federal. And so we took the streets, we took our flags. I do remember that one of the things was the request to bring American flags, but we refused and we took Mexican and Guatemalan flags. Uh, we represented also with hats um, and beanies that said either South Central or Compton on them because we wanted people to know where we were from and where we were coming from. Um, we took one American flag that was uh, had all the The stars crossed out and each of the white bars had the names of corporations, um, which I chose to do uh, because uh, capitalism is what really is the 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 director of what the United States is about. Uh, Some people did make some comments about how uh, we were dragging the U.S. flag and not necessarily respecting it. but, you know, it is par for the course. I think we all have different ways of seeing this country. So again, thank you so much for the space. Uh, I hope this is helpful.
2: Hey, friend. So um, what I remember about this March in particular, so I was in high school. Um, immigrant, you know, immigration issues have always, you know, been close to close to my heart, not only because, you know, I am I am Mexican, I am an immigrant. I was brought here at nine months old. Me and my mother first crossed the border illegally, of course, when I was nine months old. So not shortly before the March, we were um, fortunate enough to, you know, get paperwork in order and, you know, get our green cards. So even after the fact that I was finally legally here, you know, immigrant issues and immigrant laws have always been, you know, something big to me. And at that time, I remember I was also taking a college course in East LA for um, Chicano studies. So, you know, it's just, it was all going along at the same time. And of course I felt that I had to take part of it. I took my pocha homegirl with me she was of Mexican descent herself, but her family, you know, was from here. Spoke very, 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 very little Spanish. But um, you know, she knew how important it was to me. So she came with me. I just remember truly being at awe at of how many people showed up that day. And not only just, you know, Hispanics, Mexicans, whatever you might call it, immigrants come in every shade, you know, you can think of. So it was really a sea of people, you know, from different backgrounds, creeds, whatever you want to call it. And I was truly at all that. Um, what really was, um, what I can remember still is the true, like, camaraderie between everybody, you know, even people of different descents. There were people handing out water. Some people handing out snacks. Because it was a, ve- I remember it was a very hot day. So we were, imagínate, just a gang of people packed the sardines out in the burning hot sun. But, you know, we were all looking out for each other. And, and, um, I don't know. If there's anything else that you want me to help answer, I am more than happy to do. Once again, my name is
1: Maria. So, just call it back. For many, it was the first time that uh, they have seen so many people unified for one cause—the support of immigration reform—and it was it was very moving.
3: It was a, it was a powerful space, seeing just that mass of people, mostly wearing wear, white, uh, because that was the directive coming from the Spanish language radio broadcasters. Uh, we wore black um, because again everything was a symbol right and so uh people for the most part you know kept to themselves and people it was a jovial event
2: i was really really at all at that like just the sea of people that you saw that day and just of different backgrounds all fighting behind you know the same cause it was truly truly something you know beautiful to see ¿Pues sentias una
0: emoción al ir llegando
2: porque ya veías...
0: Desde mucho atrás ya veías la gente vestida de blanco que iba llegando en los carros y y buscando a ver dónde estacionarse. Ibas llegando y, y pues sí, era una emoción de ver tanta gente ahí. Iban hasta gente enferma de de sus piernas, que traía muletas, hubo de todo, de todo gente grande, grandísima que los hijos los iban empujando mucho mucho de eso. Fue un tiempo un día muy especial porque uno salió a pedir papeles pero aparte de eso fue como, como familias que salíamos completos, como nosotros que fuimos los cinco era, era un día muy fue un día muy especial muy especial y como como decía Piolín vamos a hacer historia y cuando tengas tus hijos que van a ir a acompañarte a ti como papá, como mamá que te están apoyando, un día ellos van a crecer y le van a contar a tus nietos que estuvieron ahí, eso fue una emoción muy, muy bonita y nosotros veíamos a nuestros hijos con nosotros gritando y la emoción que le veía un, les veía uno en la cara a ustedes era inexplicable. Empezamos normal ese día, todos caminando como como familia gritando si sí se puede, gritando queremos queremos papeles, queremos esto y la gente empezó a ver como como Luis Eh, gritaba y se esforzaba y, y la cara se le miraba roja cuando gritaba y a veces el, los demás se callaban y él solito gritaba quiero papeles para mi mamá y mi papá <ríe> al, al verlo uno yo, yo sentía una emoción muy grande en un rato él gritó mis papás no han visto a sus familias porque no le dan papeles y yo quiero papeles para mi papá y para mi mamá y enseguida de eso gritaba si sí se puede, si sí se puede entonces la gente alrededor empezó a ver que el gritaba los papeles pero para su papá y para su mamá no para los demás a él lo que le importaba era los papeles para su mamá y para su papá entonces la gente lo empezó a ver y la gente se empezó a rimar, a rimar con nosotros entonces la gente empezó a esperar que el gritaba Él gritaba, ¿qué queremos? Y en, y en una... El, la gente gritaba... Queremos los papeles para sus papás. <risa> Digo, porque era, era la emoción... Y, veía, y lo veían a él que, que... Porque él en ratos gritaba... Y sus ojos se le miraban... Llenos de, de lágrimas y coraje... Y él gr- levantaba las manos... Levantaba las manos y decía... ¿Por qué no me das papeles para mi <risa> mamá? Estoy segura que él no entendía bien lo de los papeles, pero él los estaba pidiendo. <risa> pues tendría unos 11, 11 o 12 por ahí. Y se hizo un pequeño líder. Aparte, pues yo creo que a la gente se le hacía... Bonito y chistoso y de todo, porque él no demostraba la edad que tenía. Él se veía más chiquito por flaquito y y, y chaparrito. Entonces, este, han de haber dicho: pues hay que apoyar a a, a este. Después se oían los gritos, uno pasó y le prestó, yo creo que se lo prestó como unos dos, tres minutos la bocina, bocina, y pues con más emoción gritaba. gritaba, y sí se puede, y sí se puede, ¡Y, y denme sus papeles, y yo quiero los papeles. y Pero se le miraba a su mirada, mmm, su cara era de, de, de que se estaba aguantando las lágrimas porque le daban ganas de llorar, y al mismo tiempo se le veía la cara con coraje y, y así, pero la gente alrededor de nosotros, lo apoyó y gritó con él y como... tal vez como una milla. Jenny Rivera estaba... íbamos pasando y estaba arriba de una troca. Cuando pasamos, ella vio... volteó y vio a Luis porque Luis ya iba gritando y volteó y le dijo, eso, cabrón.
1: No, No me acordaba de esto. Sí, Liz.
0: Y... Now,
1: Carmen and I, we have always been, like, a little bit more shy compared to our brother, but our brother was, like, made to protest. At one point, he had, like, a group behind him, and he was the one in front starting the chants, you know, when people say, like, what do we want? And then they, people reply. He was the person yelling, like, what do we want? Some guy gave him a megaphone for like two minutes so he could keep chanting and keep leading the protest. We mentioned seeing Jenny Rivera, the artist. And when people were following him, she saw him and looked at him and was like, I'm trying to figure out how to translate this because what she said, and you heard my mom say it, but she said, Orale, cabron, which I guess would be like, I don't actually don't know how to translate that. Like, yeah, come on, man. Like it is not, it's not the same. But she cheered him on because she saw him leading the protest. And he was, he was like 10, 11 at most, but he was a tiny, skinny kid. At the time, he did not look, you know, 10 or 11. He looked like two years younger than that. So there was just this little child passionately yelling for immigration reform though he he kept asking for his parents um, but he really like immigration reform for all and so yeah we we followed him he didn't do that the whole way but you know we were walking for a while and just we were just part of the protest for uh, as long as it went which was uh, almost all day we walked for a long time together and I didn't know this at the time, but there were two different pro like there was a lot of coalitions that were organizing this. Right. And so some people as nonprofits tend to do were <laughs> instead of working together, were competing <laughs> to see who had the most numbers. Oh but that God. didn't matter to the people. So one march started at these corners of a street, which is the one we went to. And it started early in the morning. I do and remember that there was another protest that started later that afternoon, and that was already a little more downtown. But instead of attending one, people from the morning one walked until they got to the other one. That's what joined, I remember. Yeah, and then everybody walked together to like downtown, downtown. Like that's how much like people, yeah. people just kept protesting, and it, yeah, it was a long, it was all day, it was an it all was day, day thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, people were tired, but, you know, proud, proud. Do you remember we took a break to eat at McDonald's? <laughs> yes. Again. Um, yeah. And everybody do you remember? and their moms were there. <laughs> yes. Everybody was so packed. Yeah. Um, do you remember seeing uh, the iconic, the legend, Jenny Rivera? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In her iconic tracksuit. Um, yeah. We saw Jenny Rivera behind a fence mm-hmm. on top of a car. top was something. Yeah, on top of a car with like a speaker yeah. thing. Yeah, megaphone. Yeah, megaphone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. You um, know, and that's where we stand, Jenny Rivera. <laughs> that is where we stand, Jenny Rivera. You know who wasn't there? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll, wait. we'll put them on a list. <laughs> yes. Immigration protests continued in large numbers, with even bigger numbers. As a whole across the United States. But not a single protest. Was bigger than La Gran Marcha. But more people did come out to protest. On May 1st. Mm -hmm. Uh, And May 1st is a day without immigrants. Yeah. And in order and an effort to suppress. These protests. Workplace raids increased. Uh, I remember that. During this time period. Yeah. Especially in April. Like at unprecedented numbers. On April 20th. Workplace raids rate of arrest set an all-time high they arrested over a thousand people across 26 states um because they were trying to break down this is what the powers that be do when people mobilize and commune in this way you know what i mean yeah they do what they they will do what they can to stop these type of movements and these raids continued, and organizers felt like they were being targeted, and uh, many people were afraid, like to even just go do regular things, yeah. let alone protest. Let me read you uh, this from this book, Latino Mass Mobilization, mm. which is where I got a lot of information from. Good, good source. So between two thousand five and two thousand six, there was a two hundred twenty nine percent increase in workplace attainments of immigrants. That's a large increase, <laughs> and one Korean immigrant rights organizer in LA recalled that um, when these raids began happening, it really just hurt and ravaged communities and schools and so on. Another activist explained because the raids had increased on and all these other things were happening, every, immigrants were more scared to go out and continue protesting. Another New York labor leader who was involved in organizing said that the government took advantage of the environment and began their raids, creating an atmosphere of terror in the community. And that's, that was the whole purpose of this. Uh, There's actually, there was a, there was a big false rumors of federal immigration raids that were just spreading like crazy because there were real raids at large numbers happening. But there was also rumors of, of more raids throughout the country that sent thousands of people into hiding. Yeah. Another undocumented immigrant at the time told the Los Angeles Times, they're using intimidation to scare us and to participate and to not participate into these rallies. There was uh, a- on April 29th, the L.A. Times reported that with planned rallies and a boycott for immigrant rights just stays away, rumors are spreading throughout California that La Migra, the immigration police, is conducting sweeps at bus stops, schools, and work sites. The reports of random arrests by immigration agents have caused fear among many, quote-unquote, illegal immigrants, and prompted them to stay close to home. Some said they believe authorities are trying to discourage the participation on Monday. Monday being May 1st, the day without immigrants, which we did also protest on that day. Yeah, participated. Mm Mm-hmm. This is in New York, but another local Dominican immigrant rights organizer said that there was rumors of raids in, you know, New York as well. And though they were happening, there was more rumors than there was raids, at least e- everywhere. Yeah. Again, the raids were increasing, but the rumors were just like unfound, like huge. Um. So like, like they were really like exaggerated. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. <laughs> So another person said that um, they would get a call saying, oh, mi hermana called me and said that La Migra was picking up people on 42nd Street. So I would drive there and there would be nobody there. All these rumors were going around. One time I got a call saying that at the subway station in Sunset Park, La Migra was picking people up. I was like, well, how do you know it was La Migra? And they would say, oh, they were wearing green and they were in uniforms and stopping and talking to people. So I went over there and there were all these repairmen fixing one of the streets wearing green and people were freaked out. But that's how scared people were. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I made a quote. Whatever. React. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this person kept getting phone call after phone call and it was a real fear and a widespread paranoia. Yeah. And this guy was in New York, but that was happening all over the country. Um, Even we were hearing things like that. I remember pe- hearing about people like going to pay, I don't know, fines at the courthouse and La out waiting for them there. Things like that. Raids like and the and communities try to create a network of texts to warn people. Um, And this wasn't always working, but it. But they tried to like warn people like there was these raids. And I mean, to this day, that's why like you used to see on Facebook, like, oh, there's a check stop Mm -hmm. app, so and so. It wasn't to warn people because like then suddenly there would be comments on these types of posts. Like if they're drunk, let them be arrested. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes. But these weren't to warn drunk people. These were to warn undocumented drivers. Yes. Um, that was the purpose of these. And I remember seeing tons of these. Because whenever we, we you know, went through a, a checkpoint or we saw, because, and there was so many, there was a lot of checkpoints at a that time. A ton of checkpoints. I, I don't think, I mean, I think that year, 2006, probably like a couple years after that, um, or the rest of that year. And ever since then, I, I've i never been through that many checkpoints, like in my life, you know what I mean? Um, and we were scared every time because, I mean, undocumented people couldn't have driver's license back then. Yeah, and so like our mom would just like flip a U turn. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, and so it was helpful to have these like yeah warnings threads and group messages, um, Facebook posts of warnings. Yeah, MySpace. Yeah, and even the radio stations were starting to tell people don't go to the protests anymore because yeah. they were af- afraid of all the people getting deported. They were like, we don't we wanted to support the cause, but we don't want but like this they were afraid, yeah, mm-hmm, to be deported. And so these raids, you could say they were successful in in like really putting a stop to the movement. And then there was a new focus after this. Instead of they, so it was like the saying was, "Today we march, tomorrow we vote." And there has been increase an increase in Latino Latina voting numbers since then. But I mean, how much does voting really do? You know, um, you could even say that these, as historic and large as these protests were, reform still has not happened. Reform is still necessary. It has yet to happen. It has been 17 years since these protests and movements this big calling for reform, immigration reform, have not happened again. And, you know, as inspiring as these events were, it has been been lost to history. And the people that were there remember some people did not remember being there because they were so young. Yeah. When I posted this on TikTok. some people were like, Oh my God, you just unlocked a memory wow. for me. I was five and mm-hmm. I was there with my parents and my older brothers. Some people were there with entire families. Yeah. Uh, we had family members that we didn't even talk to anymore who also drove from Oakland yeah. mm-hmm. or from the Bay area. So many people. And, you know, as inspiring as this day was, and as many, I would hope that that day inspired activism and many that continued. It did. It did for me. But for me, it definitely radicalized <laughs> uh, me. And we have yet to achieve reform for immigration. We have started to see kind of like a a big, you know, anti-immigrant movement start happening again. Yeah. Especially 2016, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, just to say... No human is illegal. Everyone has a right to... Immigration is a human right. Yeah. Yeah. There was... I asked mommy to have one... Leave us one last message about what she has to say about immigration. And so that's going to be at the end. Oh, well, before we get to that message, I did want to add, like, you know, you talked about this time period being, I don't know, like... it. Ra- ra- oh, what can I say that word? Rad- Radicalized... Yeah. A lot of people, and it also opened a lot of people's eyes to the racism and xenophobia that was around. Like, I remember that we were passing out flyers <laughs> for one of these protests. I don't remember which one it was. Probably May Day, probably May 1st. Yeah, I probably was. Because, I mean, these, like you said, these protests lasted all spring. And so I remember we still went to a protest in Modesto as well, like once we moved here. Yeah. And when we got to Crow's Landing, which, you know, Southside is where all the, most of the... Southside was where it was at. It's where it was at. It was, yeah. was popping. <laughs> it was. That's where the, the, there's a large Latino community in, in Modesto. And when we got to the bridge, I don't know. I just remember there was like cops blocking the way. Like they, could, they didn't want to let us pass. Yeah. But we went, we went to downtown as well to City Hall. <laughs> we made it. Yeah. Um, we made it. But it, and it was a smaller because you know it's a smaller area. But um, like we continued to engage in these protests, and it really did. I knew that we were you know different, <laughs> of course. But I think that we were shielded from it in Oakland because there was just people like us around, you know, everywhere. Yeah. In fact, like I don't know if we've said it before on here, but like I did not see a white kid <laughs> our own age uh, until we were thirteen. And- yeah so yeah and i think like, i remember going door-to-door to pass out flyers and i remember meeting one nice um, white lady from canada who <laughs> i don't know if you remember this at all i don't remember this at all i don't well we were passing out flyers in our you know south side neighborhood but we yeah whatever so we were like knocking door-to-door and this lady we explained to her what the day was about that many people were like calling out um in solidarity and she was like oh i'm an immigrant myself i'm from canada and you know she talked to us for a while about that and then she said she was going to oh participate gosh. and then like down the street <laughs> we uh knocked somewhere else and there was a white old man and he i don't know he told us to get out of the country that we <laughs> <laughs> oh my god in the country and yeah it was horrible but it didn't we still kept going door to door like it didn't stop us <laughs> that's amazing i totally forgot we even did that yeah. i don't have any recollection of that wow and yeah, now you can insert. Uh. <laughs> now we will insert just this last clip from our mom. Um, and yeah, just to say that the fight has not stopped. You know, there was talks of DACA being repealed and like that, you know, was deemed unconstitutional. But like the and DACA is the DREAMers Act, mm-hmm. um, which lets, you know, kids that were brought over here to stay. Um, but then they that's also not citizenship. That's also not we need reform. We need. I mean, do you remember right? during this time as well? And I recently or around 2016, they, there was talk about taking citizenship away from um people who were born to undocumented parents. It's insane. They they it was all this xenophobic yeah. racist things like yeah, um madness. I mean, I remember, you know, we were I mean, we were born here, obviously, and so I was in the army and like my full uniform because mm-hmm. I was forced to ride the bus in basic training Mm -hmm. to go to um visit back home and we had to leave the base in uniform i didn't have any other clothes Mm -hmm. except the clothes that came in but they were like no you have to travel in your uniform i don't know why they would do that to us anyway uh and there was like some old man in the in the greyhound like yelling at me calling me a spig Mm -hmm. and a beaner and that i was like not allowed to wear his uniform and i was like You're like, sir, I'm just trying to get home. (laughs) This is my uniform now. (laughs) Bitch, this is my uniform now. Yeah, Get out of here, old man. Times are changing. I mean, you know, all that to say, we are here to stay. Yeah. And you know what? Instead and of And more of us are coming. <laughs> yeah. I was saying you know what? Everyone come over here. Everyone. Oh. You and, need to. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot to I wanted to look more, more into this. I mean, we're we talk about history. We're not like a current events, <laughs> you know, podcast, although sometimes we do talk about a current events like you know, with the Bukele stuff that we've covered and things yeah. like that. I did see on social media there's like posts making the rounds about a new bill that the ACLU is opposing. Oh, I forgot I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, and let me just look it up really quick. I know I sent you the video. Yeah, I don't remember what it was anymore. Ago. I think it's like similar, but um, I mean, and all this is to say that laws, immigration laws, just have gotten worse since this day. Yeah, not better. Things have not gone better. Um, and it's really sad. Oh, it's a 1986 law. Oh, that could make it a crime to protest immigrant rights or help immigrants. And that's the Supreme Court is currently debating upholding it. And so I imagine, I mean, and we'll look more into it, but I just wanted to mention it now. Because then saying things like we just said would be <laughs> criminalized. <laughs> this whole episode would, would land us in jail. Yeah. Straight, Straight to jail. To jail. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I'm going to look more into it to get more information about it. But I did just want to mention it. And let me see yeah. if I can see what it's called. Yeah, no, I can I couldn't find the name, but we'll look we'll look into it. Yes, we will. So yeah, yeah, we will leave everyone with this clip of our mom talking about immigration. One last message. Thanks for listening. Bye everyone. Bye. Pues no sé bien que podría decir,
0: pero lo único que puedo decir is que espero que la gente que aun está en la oscuridad como dicen que no puedes salir legalmente pronto puedan puedan arreglar eh, y poder salir porque es, es es frustrante cuando vives aquí y no puede no puedes ver a tu familia.
1: Es como una jaula de oro.
0: Exactamente, tienes aquí todo, pero no tienes lo principal. No tienes a tu familia, no tienes a tu papá, no tienes a tu mamá, a tus hermanos. Pierdes familia. Ganas, por un lado, porque este país, como quiera que sea, me dio a mis hijos. Aquí los tuve. Eh, tengo mis nietos. Pero fueron muchos años difíciles. Muchos años de mucha tristeza. ...por no tener a mis papás, a mis hermanos... ...perder a mis abuelitos y no haber podido ir... Mm. ...pero al mismo tiempo veía a mis hijos creciendo aquí... ...pues era... era ...es bien difícil porque es como la mitad tuya aquí... ...y la otra mitad en el aire... ...porque ni siquiera puede, puedes decir que la otra mitad va para tu país y puede gozar. Ahora ya lo puedo hacer, pero cuando no se podía era... eh, Es es muy triste la vida de un inmigrante en otro país. Muy triste. Yo agradezco, te agradezco a ti que me hayas podido arreglar legalmente Eh, y fue en un tiempo tan difícil que yo creí que no se podía hacer hacer nada Mm, pero gracias a ti pude tener mis papeles pude ir a ver a mi familia después de 25 años este pude gozarlos pude abrazarlos porque yo recuerdo no pude darles ni siquiera un 4 de julio a ustedes normal porque siempre era (ríe) siempre era llorar porque el 4 de julio cumplía años sin poder salir y y en vez de salir a a a tronar los cohetes pues era llorar (ríe) hasta que más grandes comprendieron me imagino que por eso ustedes mismos me veían como me ponía yo y ustedes mismos querían ir a la gran marcha y estar ahí y ser historia ahí y, y pues lo logramos ahí estuvimos y espero que la gente que estuvo ahí la mayoría esté igual que yo que ya tiene ya está arreglado ya tiene sus papeles ya puede salir y los que no pues ojalá y pronto, pronto puedan arreglar y salir poder salir y poder poder ser libres porque aquí es como estar preso
1: gracias muchas
0: gracias <risa> My God, no lloré